Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers, timeless characters whose stories were retold in the modern day with the creation of the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Join us as we journey through My Ultimate Year. Hello, and welcome to My Ultimate Year Part 10. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined, as always, by my cohort in crime, Zach Dean. This is our 10th episode, covering every single comic in the Ultimate Universe from its origins to today. And uh, it's, uh, you know, Zach, it's been an interesting road. I definitely Mm -hmm. would have said I was, I remember being fonder of this, you know, kind of the opening era of the Ultimate Universe, and I think definitely at this point, by the time we get to Episode 10, which is where we are, we're talking Ultimate Spider-Man 65 to 69, Ultimate mm-hmm. Fantastic Four 13 to 18, Ultimate X-Men number 40 to 53, and yep. Ultimate Nightmare 1 to 5. We are officially and firmly in the middle of the Ultimate Universe, right? Oh, I like didn't we read are Ultimate. in the throes Ultimate of the Nightmare. Ultimate Universe. I did not read that. Don't know. Why are you declaring your failures up front? It's not on the li- I'm looking at the list right now. It's not on there. Literally looking at the Ultimate Marvel Timeline shared document yeah right and here. uh no you've no got patreon my marvelous year list mm, patreon what what, what is list that? are you looking at you lunatic did you make <laughs> a covert secret list i don't know what you i okay well we'll have to bump nightmare to the next episode because it's on that one for mine so you i'm sorry, I'm sorry i made you read that you nut i'm upset yeah. now all right i'm sorry i'm joined today by the only person who bothers me more than uh the brian k vaughn <gasps> oh i did oh Comics all right today. yeah well, you're you're going off the. All right, sorry. That is the first draft. Uh, Zach, the, there's <laughs> one master. There can only be one master. It's the one that's on the Patreon list. Is the, the real one. Master. You know that one? Yeah, yeah. I got. That. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I, I messed that up for you. All right. You should go off the uh, the Patreon list because that's the one. No, I, I, I don't even know what that is. The Patreon list is for the patrons. Speaking of which, if you like this awful <laughs> yeah. show. <laughs> you can go to patreon.com Gen- genuinely we should we year. should just we should clip that is that was just awful you should just start over and just list the comics again say this time we're reading and then just well you should nightmare. use the master list and read all the comics that you say I, you're going so, to that's what so those I, sh- are things I shifted it happen. because on on the list you have it was third yeah i shifted around a bunch for some reason yeah it's way too long yeah <laughs> it's clearly too long yeah the one i read is tw- 25 issues yeah i'm sorry Oh, okay, yeah. alrighty. So just, just I think, start over I think this is pretty good audio. No, 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 no. <laughs> just, just, just start over and list the three, and I will clip all. Hello, this. hello, and welcome to my <laughs> ultimate year. This is my ultimate year, episode ten. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor in chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today. If I have to introduce him, I can only introduce him as Sinister. No wait, <laughs> Mister Sinister. That's right. Uh, it's Zach you. Dean. We're talking Hello. today Ultimate Spider-Man 65 to 69, Ultimate Fantastic Four 13 to 18, and Ultimate X-Men number 40 to 53. This is my Ultimate Year, the show where we go through every single Ultimate Universe comic ever released from Origins to today. We are on episode 10, which means we are firmly in the middle of the throes 
of the Ultimate Universe. We're getting creator changes. We're getting some big names. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like, again, we're almost we're 70 issues into Ultimate Spider-Man. By the time we're done with this episode, we've read a lot of Ultimate Universe comics at this point. So yep. let's, uh, I guess we'll kick things off with Ultimate Spider-Man. Before we do that, if you like... Uh, my ultimate year or you like the other show we do my marvelous year where we go through earth 616 that's right this is earth 1610 it's a different universe in case this is oddly your first episode i do recommend uh going a little back into my ultimate year so you know what you're getting into but um you know you can go over to patreon.com slash my marvelous year for ways to support the show it's greatly appreciated you can get some cool benefits like uh access to the spreadsheets where we keep all the comics which are updated regularly and uh and also um you can get access to our exclusive slack channel where you can talk to the club as they're reading along right and if you like this show there's six more episodes of this show waiting for you behind the uh the patreon payroll on uh, on that exclusive that's feed. right that's right we're way ahead way ahead oh, on yeah. the old my ultimate year recordings for the the patrons the true ultimate year readers today um, when we're recording this we haven't even recorded the six episodes that are waiting for you who knows what they could be they could be masterpieces well and, and the truly though like a lot changes like our coverage of you know my ultimate year is definitely reflective of the time period in which we recorded them like the example mm. i would obviously get have given previously but like ultimate fantastic Four, 13 to 18 comics written by warren ellis boy yeah. do we talk about those differently in a critical reevaluation sure. now than we would have uh, even a year ago so also some some of the weird ways they line up with uh my marvelous here that just keeps happening sure where we like yeah. keep talking that like we get a mutant massacre uh oh actually yeah big here. time yeah big time here yeah, yeah. right totally lines up with what we're doing in my marvelous here that that will stop eventually probably oh, i assume I we're gonna i don't know yeah, depends. I guess depends on when they start getting into like '90s stuff. And uh, well, and we've we, seen a little bit of that, like with Carnage in the, oh, yeah. uh, the yeah, recent episode of Ultimate Spider-Man. But either way, if you like the shows, you like our coverage, you like what we're doing here, or you just uh, want to play along, you can go uh, rate and review on iTunes for either yeah, my Ultimate Year or my Marvelous Year. It helps us out a ton. And I think uh, our challenge last we oftentimes we try to do a little challenge in our ratings and reviews and say, hey, if you do that, uh, let us know. How about for this one? Give us a rating and review if you like the show, but then also let us know the ultimate universe character that you think is the worst adaptation. The worst from Earth 616 yeah. to Earth 1610 version of that character. That's what I want to hear in ratings and reviews uh, for the show coming up next. Cool? Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Ultimate Spider-Man number 30, or do we want to start with? Yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man number 65 through 69. Nice. Um Ooh. This is we're, we're our first nice. With, oh, it's not the first nice. We had we <laughs> we did appropriate like, appropriate that that issue is Spidey and uh, Johnny Storm for all the uh, uh, for all nice. the slash fic fans <laughs> out there, right? Yeah, we'll get into their relationship. I think it's a little bit of a bummer. Um, this this is actually like a year of me being a little salty about the no. ways that uh the like no some, one of those years. No, this is something you're usually salty about, and I'm not. Which is like that they're not following the the like the original character like i'm usually just like hey yeah do whatever you want with it and this is where i'm just like well why are you changing that like why right so what what i'm talking about is i mean we'll get into it later but johnny storm loves spider-man and he's like a big fan of him and i'm just like that's spider-man johnny storm like you know they're pals but they're also a little bit rivals and stuff like that's so fun like why wouldn't you want to carry that through and i don't see any reason to like you already have the flash gordon loving spider-man Right, right. Yeah. No, it's taking the elements of Flash, and actually Franklin Richards uh, is a huge Spider-Man fan. It's taking both of those and lumping them onto Johnny. I So we're talking kind of issues 68 and 69. Frankly, it doesn't matter if we got order, because they're very separate kind of short stories, which I do like yeah. in terms of just structure. Um, but the Johnny Storm team-up stuff, it's... 
I like that Johnny Storm gets integrated into the Ultimate Spider-Man universe here. Mm-hmm. I think Bendis does a nice job adding him to the friend group um, sure. because it adds a layer of like alt- Marvel Ultimate Universe. And frankly, the more important thing here is like Johnny Storm doesn't really fit in his own book, like in the Ultimate Fantastic Four book, which isn't as big a deal or as cohesive, certainly, as Ultimate Spider-Man. It actually, I think, helps a lot to bring him into USM as kind of this supporting character going forward. It's a it's an interesting addition that we don't really get in six one six. So yeah. I'd agree with you in the terms of like I don't need him to be secretly a Spidey fan. I actually love their prank wars and rivalry that they have going yeah, in Earth six one six. I think that's yeah. better. Um, mm-hmm. But I do like them being pals in you know IRL. I think I think yeah. that works. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the concept of him coming to the school. I don't know. It just like we also just saw a lot of like people were freaked out by him because he you know he revealed his powers accidentally in front of them. And Liz Allen freaked out again because she's very, like, mutant-phobic. And I just kind of feel like we've tread this ground before. The, like, I don't know, you don't fit in because you have powers. Like, Spider-Man goes through this. So just seeing Johnny Storm go through it was not, like, some kind of um, big revelation for me. But, you know, I like it better here than I did covering literally Fantastic Four. Right. I, I do yeah. think there's a thing with covering literally every Ultimate Universe episode where beats repeat across long runs in yeah. in any possible permutation. You know, like there's no mm-hmm. good long run where beats don't repeat. Sometimes it can be better for it, right? It can be yeah. thematic connections running right, back. Yeah. Like this is a yeah. thematic connection that Bendis has been playing with. Yeah. Or like yeah. whether you're into it or not, he's been running with like, you sure. know, people being scared of powers, kind of extending kind of what we talk about as the mutant metaphor, mm-hmm. you know, in some regards, right? With just teenagers being some are homophobic and some can be racist. And, and in this instance, makes, it's more like some are afraid of powers, some are not. It makes a ton right? of sense because like, it, you know, it never quite tracks that in mainline Marvel, people hate mutants, but they don't feel the exact same way about Spider-Man and the Hulk and the Fantastic Four, right? Like, it feels like... I think Fantastic Four and the Avengers are the better examples, because they tend to get... They just get, like, a total pass right. there's, a there, lot of There's, times, like, an arbitrary right? delineation between the groups that, you know, everyone kind of has to just, like, accept a little right. bit. So to have, like, everybody be lumped in as, like, if you have powers, you kind of just freak out normal people i think that makes sense yeah I, I don't mind like that being in here i just didn't think it tread new i mean it's kind of like what i've been talking about claremont where i'm just like i used to like this plot point i've just seen it seven times now like i've just seen him kind of hit these same beats and not expand on it in a fresh way and i just feel like i've read this story before and you know it's not kind of like this is treading familiar thematic ground but in a new context that much yeah i mean i guess so. that kind of that's kind of what i'm saying though is like Liz reacting again this way is a character beat. Like yeah, it make sure. it is relevant that her character continues to act the same way. I yeah. think, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just uh, just kind of doesn't doesn't do that much for me at this point. No. But um. So yeah, let's jump back. Uh, Spider Man sixty five. Right. This is called Detention, and I think it's him trying to do a little bit of a Breakfast Club episode a bunch of people who don't like each other but they're all in detention yeah. right after Gwen Stacy's death it's like the dealing with Gwen Stacy Gwen Stacy's death issue which we which we were quite down on in terms yeah, of how it played out I, um she I you think... know she is killed by the ultimate universe of carnage mm-hmm. uh like not off panel but it feels off panel like it's all just oh, the I mean it was very it on panel and very us. cruel and nasty I think but also kind of a it, kind of a weird throwaway move yeah the yeah, yeah. yeah uh and I, I don't think this really works at all this like the the emotions of the scene land for me whatsoever um I like the like, idea for the issue I, I, I mean, yeah I, I do say, it makes I do a lot too of sense. 
but there's actually no like I, I don't know every everything's a little phony everything seems a little heightened in a way that like Bendis's dialogue like I mean Bendis always writes this kind of heightened dialogue and sometimes it irritates me like in kind of its aesthetic sense but this was just like in a character sense I felt like everyone was just acting a little too just uh what's the word um a little too extra I guess like Flash was just a little too nasty MJ was a little too preachy Peter Parker was a little too angsty like everything was just dialed up enough that like I didn't buy it anymore you know like I don't really get Flash as being like oh Peter's not talking huh is he dead just like Gwen Stacy you know that girl like that that he's like a genuine psychopath I mean, he is the bully like it flashes the big bully and yeah we actually yeah don't i get guess so necessarily as much of that in this book yeah you know yeah like he's more of a joke than he is a jerk a lot of, a lot of ultimate spider-man and here he gets to be the jerk that we know him yeah. to be yeah and then peter gives this whole speech about you know like that he's a bad guy and he grows up to he'll grow up to be like you know a man and like a bad man right like he doesn't get a pass just because he's a kid and he's just acting out blah 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 i don't know none of it really landed for me maybe this is just you know my sensibilities but uh like none well, of you're not particularly you're not a teen so i, yeah. I don't expect yeah. you to understand how to speak the language of the kids <laughs> oh like yeah me, like brian like michael bendis <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right exactly yeah no we get uh, it um the next issues are are int- i remember really liking these comics when i read this run the first time so this is the uh-huh. bendis going back to well i'm writing ultimate x-men now i better get wolverine in an issue and it's a two issue uh body swatch or body swatch. The, the, body the two episodes are called or issues are called even we don't believe this and yeah. jump the shark <laughs> so they're they're you know tongue in cheek they're having fun with it um and it's spider-man inside wolverine's body wolverine inside spider-man's body right and they they have to figure things out together um it's goofy it's a comedy it has one giant thing in it that now i recognize as a huge huge red flag um oh, and that this actually wolverine came up is, like well that wolverine like you know it's a joke bit but it's like he's hooking up with mj right yeah. so it's wolverine in spider-man's body hooking up with mj this old dirty man um this this exact well beat I, he doesn't hook happens, up with mj like, that's that's a i mean he like smooches her at one point no no i'm saying like the the illusion of it Whatever, okay. you, whatever you wanted to find the hookup as, whatever, whatever. Well, that means level a it actually thing, gets to. But speaking of huh? not speaking the teen language, no, like Dave. I, I, I hook up a lot. Like, like you know, <laughs> I hook up with like my family. I hook up with my yeah, mom, yeah. my grandma, my grandpa yeah, you know, when we visit them for Thanksgiving. On the cheek, you know, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I'm hook up. Um, <laughs> but no, so Wolverine here, you know, and and this comes up again in Spider-Man issues that I won't spoil. But kind of this issue of like agency and and really questionable. I guess sexual ethics come into this where it's like the creators just aren't thinking about it at all. Sure. It's yeah. just not even on their radar. Um, I don't think this version of it is nearly as bad as, is the example I'm thinking of that came under it, fire at circa 2013. Um, oh but it's there, it's there and it, it can be uncomfortable. So I mean, I you know, like the thing people. is like, it's a few little jokes snipped out short of being like fine and funny. Like there's a couple little jokes here that just, I mean him smooching, mj and then like there's some joke where mj later is like um talking to peter once he's back in his body and just like oh i'm glad you're feeling better can we not do that thing you tried earlier until we're more grown up and it's like like it's played that's what i'm talking about goof but it's like what are you talking about like yeah that that joke really doesn't work because it's just like oh wolverine's a pet pedophile then i guess that's old dirty wolverine with again like a 16 year old underage character so that that piece of it i think is probably something bendis would do over i like to think um Mm. 
I get it. I get that they're playing it for a joke. It does. It's not lost on me. Um, but that doesn't necessarily excuse it. So if yeah. you can get past that, I suppose, then I mean, the yeah, comic. Sure. Yeah, it's like it's a throwaway two issue fun series. Um, I probably definitely at the time I liked it more than the Wolvie Spidey team up that we saw in Ultimate X Men. You know, this is the Spider Man version of it I, where it's funny. And yeah, goofy, I like their and relationship. The Wolverine version of it was like, they're being hunted by Weapon X. The, yeah, their relationship is pretty amusing to me in the Ultimate Universe. It's one of my favorite yes. little crossover things that they have this relationship, and also that like it really only works because Peter Parker is a teenager, and there's this like huge difference. And I, I think that like that juxtaposition of the two of them work. Yeah, this. I mean, I don't think like there's a ton of laugh out loud moments, but it was it's amusing enough, kind of funny. It's like funny watching Peter Parker like continually like in Wolverine's body cut his own fingers off, like. I mean, the thing is, like, he could have he could have amped that way up. I think like, he could have like just kept kept having him cut his own fingers off over and over instead of like the once. Uh, yeah. I, I think he doesn't like if he wants it to be really funny and silly. He could have gone farther with it. But yeah, and then ultimately, is like Jean Grey was just like, I was mad at you, Logan, so I swapped your body with whoever you didn't want most. Oh, sorry, teenage boy, that I you know almost like completely screwed up your life like it feels very that felt out of character for Jean Grey um not that she'd be mad at him and lash out but a little in that irresponsible weird way that she would do something yeah. quite so reckless yeah um because even if it's not just a random teenage boy to her it's like Sabretooth or like somebody even more dangerous <laughs> right you know yeah, it's he... like now that's a real problem for you Jean yeah or just some civilian right who now is in like Logan's body <laughs> who yeah. might go wild with... yeah whatever. right totally I mean, so, we're thinking a little about dangerous, it but uh, but much, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's obviously all play for laughs. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think like at the end of the day, these you know Bendis Bagley got some Scott Hanna inks here. Um, it continues to be fine. Like we're, it's definitely. I think it's this thing now where I'm you know because I obviously I've talked a lot about like I really evaluated Ultimate Spider-Man very very highly. Um, it was a very important comic to me getting into comics, and it's the thing where I'm looking at it now, wondering is it really that good though? And I think we're in the stretch where it's especially when we're reading it kind of chunks at a time you know where it, it's really just like these are good enough they're fine i yeah. suppose they're totally yeah, fine but they're not amusing. like i don't know it, it's just it's kind of hard for me because i would have said this is like a top 50 run for me um yeah okay i and never now taking <laughs> in these bits and chunks you know i'm i'm not sure that i even that even when anymore. i read this i'm wondering 20, if i thought it was like yeah this is this is fun this is fun snack food comics yeah right no it, yeah exactly it's it's fun snack food and it, and it does a good job with i think the peter parker mythos and just the, like the who is this person um because he gets to be in high school the whole time but i i do wonder if i took some of the high points mm-hmm. especially as we really progressed through the ultimate universe and sort of conflated that with like my overall assessment of the run which yeah i sure. mean it, it does continue which, to stand out in the i mean which universe. is easy to do when like oh these 10 issues they're kind of a drag well it took you 45 minutes to read them so like yeah, <laughs> you know totally. if you're reading it all right. at once like you know a, a part like this that we're talking about you literally could sit down and read in half an hour no problem and like, Actually, and then that's part of the appeal it. of Kirkman comics, which I know yeah. you have more of a problem with too. Like Invincible, yeah. for example, those go oh, down Invinci- so easy. Invincible is very insanely yeah. easy. It his, is his most recent work, 2020 release with Chris Samney, which is very interesting. Firepower. It's like you can read it in a night, in like half an hour. You know, it feels, I, I, like it just feels like nothing. Yeah, no, that that's something I got to give Kirkman credit for because I I think I read like 45, 50 issues of Invincible in a weekend, no problem, and it was not like I didn't feel like I, that's all I was doing <laughs> that weekend. Yeah, you know? right. 
Because you like, like feel... if you're doing uh, any of the '80s Marvel stuff we're reading right now, oh, and God. you try to read 50 issues in a weekend, you would feel that that would be your weekend, right? You know? Yes, and you, exactly. you'd be hitting your head on a table by the end of it. So, mm-hmm. anywho, uh, they're solid. They're not amazing, but yep. um, you know, these these I I do like. I actually really like the approach of a like post big arc here to say. We're going to do these little one-offs. Um, I, l- I would like to see more series, even now, play around with that formula, you know, if they could get away with it. You know what, like, actually bugged me about this is that, like, it's a joke, and maybe this just, this joke landed better in 2004, whenever this was, but the whole, like, even we can't believe we're doing this, and then, like, the second issue opens up with, um, like, a little comic of Brian Michael Bendis strangling Nick Lowe, the assistant editor, and being like, yeah. tell him, tell him what you said, and Nick Lowe's like, I'm sorry, this was my idea it's like joking around with like yeah this is dumb and we know it and it's like i kind of just wish they would own it more and lean into it more right that kind of like it it feels like cowardly hedging your bet <laughs> to me uh, to like, that's a very marvel that's a very marvel it. uh breaking the fourth wall approach yeah i guess it, but in that case i just expected like i would have liked it to be sillier and you know like more over the top because if they didn't have that i wouldn't have been like wow these zany two issues these two issues are wild and so out of place here they would have been like yeah these are we've had lighthearted issues like this before and uh yeah i mean you, you hype up your stories a little i don't have any problem with that yeah well yeah i, I think that like that it's because you're not in marketing self-awareness talk to the teens either yeah self-effacing self-awareness thing seems tired to me but that that might be a you know a 2020 I mean, seem tired to me because we're recording this late on a Friday. And, I am uh, not. I'm amped up. Week. Yeah. So, all right. Next up, we have uh, Six Issues of Fantastic Four. This is the third volume, third story arc. This one is written by Warren Ellis again um, with art by, who is it? Adam Kubert. And yep. uh, this is actually like our first Fantastic Four adventure, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not. You know, they actually get to go somewhere. They go to the end zone and uh, they run into the Ultimate Universe version of what we know as a nihilist, I don't love Ultimate Fantastic Four. Um, yeah, yeah. Even even aside from, dumb. again, like the necessary critical reevaluation of understanding sort of the monstrous behavior Warren Ellis has, has um, involved himself in in comics, you know? Yeah. Sure. Even with that in mind, or even without that in mind, the Ultimate Well, yeah, because I don't, I don't like, read that in that these good. comics, you know? Like, I'm not reading this. Well, it's, got, it's, like... got, it's entirely, right. I mean, it's, it's all about what is the creator doing behind the scenes. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't often come through in the work. Well, I mean, um, compared to someone stuff, like but... Woody Allen, where you watch one of his movies and you're like, oh, wow, he really just, uh, he really was just telling us all about it, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's little there's little things here and there that maybe would read differently now um, in yeah. terms of how he writes Sue in particular. Well, but, I, I guess, but nothing that feels that different from, like, literally everybody in Marvel Comics. You well, know? that's not a good thing. <laughs> no, exactly. No, I know. It's, it's bad, but, you know, that just yeah. speaks to the entire culture of... Uh, you know, the boys club culture of this. I guess what I'll say about Fantastic Four in the Ultimate Verse is I like I like the fact that Sue and Ben are clearly the best characters, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. I I will grow to like what they're doing with Reed. You know, I'm not there yet as these stories go, but kind of this this version of Reed is is interesting. You know, the younger, yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of less yeah. assured, um, obviously deeply flawed character. I, I do think, you know, we talked about Johnny getting a home in Ultimate Spider-Man and that kind of being a good thing because he doesn't really have a home other places. There is kind of a weird thing, too, of, like, 
him being the snot-nosed little spoiled kid in some other creator's mind. Like, Mark Millar definitely takes this to heart, um, in the Earth-616 verse especially. But, like, you know, just Johnny being the kind of arrogant, spoiled kid. Which, there's some of that, definitely, but if it I mean, goes he's just too kind of the hard party on that boy. angle, he doesn't really have yeah. any heart. You know, and it, it does kind of matter that he does, I think. Yeah, like, I, has to to work. yeah, I don't think the characters, like, have anything to them at all. And he strips, like, some of the best parts of these characters. I mean... Reed is the most interesting in just that he's kind of uh, irresponsibly scientifically curious. That's yeah, but that's right. always been a part of Reed, I think. Um, but no, like Johnny Storm is just like kind of a jock who's just like, why do we gotta go to high school? I just love the hotties, which is like, God, I haven't heard the word hotties uh, in a long time, but I hear yeah. it a lot in these comics. Uh, and then like, I mean, the worst thing here to me is Ben Grimm. I think Ben Grimm kind of sucks here. Like. He's very boring to me. He has none of that, like, spark and humor. He's a right. very dour character here. Like, gen- his character is the way he's... I actually kind of like how he's drawn. But he's just always grimacing and always scowling. And he's just angry all the time. Which is part of Ben Grimm. He, like, rages. But he rages in this big bombastic way where, you know, he calls you yeah. crumb bum. And, like, in this he's just sulky. And that's it, really? Like, he's just kind of a sulky guy? We, we get one moment of some, like, levity with him where he goes out into the end zone to, like, float around, and he has some fun with that. But, like, besides well, no, that... Well, and that, I think like, both you and I would say Ben Grimm of 616 is, I mean, a top three character. Yeah, um, sure. From yeah. the Silver Age at, at least the, like, the 60s, I think. Like, I don't know if I've been amused by him in a, in a while, besides that one Marvel fanfare issue we read but uh, uh that's enough to carry a lot of a lot of weight honestly i don't know i guess he's good in the burn issues but yeah no no one wrote him like stan lee like <laughs> and i don't always praise I think stan lee for his... we are recording this on the 103rd yes. birthday of the king we'll give oh, him yeah. his props yeah, yeah um but yeah no so ben ben is not as likable i mean i yeah it's like nothing about nothing about this fantastic four unit is nearly as likable um, <laughs> i think at the end of the day and then you have the thing too that you talked about at the very beginning of this which was okay we've got we've got an ultimate universe opportunity to kind of change things mm-hmm. and i keep saying how much i like that potential and how little i often like the execution yeah. and kind of that cognitive dissonance that i'm very aware of now where Wait, i'm did saying you, did you not like nihilus or something i don't I don't really like what Warren Ellis does with any cosmic entity in the Ultimate Marvel Universe. I think he breaks them all down, trying to make them more real, trying to make them more kind of pseudoscience for the Uh 2000s. And I kind of feel like it never hits with me. I like the bombast of Kirby. I like the bombast of Kirby cosmic characters. Um, So Nihil is fine, I guess. But Fantastic Four is kind of... They kind of what's the word um are hit by this the hardest actually where a lot of their villains actually become way less interesting in the ultimate verse i think we saw it with doom right that version of doom wasn't as good it's Um, pretty boring this version of annihilus isn't quite as interesting i mean you know what i really don't like the other annihilus like i have not read a good annihilus comic i don't think um at uh, least one that i like connected with let's remind everyone we are up to 1986 yeah, my marvelous year club. Yeah, so I, I think Zach I've only read one annihilus story. Good Marvel Cosmic. Yeah, yeah, it was like a Silver Age annihilus story that really didn't like do much for me. So I thought he was fine here. Like I didn't care about the changes to him. But my issue with like Ellis's writing here, I think it's very, very. It, it lacks a grounding, kind of like Miller does, where he um he likes to throw out all these details 
about stuff and all these like big story moments but it also doesn't seem like any of it matters and he just doesn't have any like control over the tone so he has stuff where it's just like we have to go see general ross it's like didn't that guy die because he did technically die in some marvel team up issue forever ago yeah, yeah and then they're just like yeah he's the only guy like badass enough to get up off his own morgue slab did you hear what he said to the soldier like stay away from my bodily fluids private and it's like is that a joke i don't I don't know if that's a goof. Are you guys joking with each other? Because it kind of sounds not like it's... sounds like it's a joke for the audience, but not a joke between the characters. And it's just like this lack of taking things seriously that just makes me check out, you know? Like, oh, and I, it's don't. Also... <laughs> I actually don't know what you're saying there at all. Well, the you know how that, like, I mean, Mark, humor is, Mark Millar would just throw, throw out, like, um, all these random details. And it's like, well, that doesn't matter. He's never going to follow up on that. But at least, like, those were funny and weird and interesting, where it was just like, you know, Magneto hasn't eaten people in a while. <laughs> that kind of thing. And you're like, what? Weird. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to follow up on that? No. And it's kind of a weird tonal clash with the Magneto we know. But, like, at least that, like, had something to it. Like, Warren Ellis does that, but it's totally unimaginative and, like, pretty dull to me. Like, he's really interested in, like, I don't know, explaining the powers of the characters but it's all pretty boring like i, I don't know i've liked war and l stuff before i really like planetary i think planetary has a ton of imagination to it i just think this comic doesn't really have any imagination or like that i'm interested in right it's like doom but with goat feet uh johnny storm but he has platelets instead of skin ben Grimm, but he can breathe without air i don't know like <laughs> those yeah. are like big moments and big revelations for the character like revealed as if it's something important and yeah well, it's just... not it's not different enough to be engaging even, yeah. Like, even if it was bad, you know, it, that's kind of like some of the Miller stuff where it's like, even if I don't think it's amazing, I like all of the ambition he has behind, like, Magneto in the X-Men yeah. universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of Professor X's very obvious ethical compromises. Even though I get very annoyed that he, like, clearly is not interested in taking it seriously, right? Like, that, that annoys well, I me, you, but you I can said still that a couple times now. I don't care if they take it seriously. That seems too precious to me with these characters, you know, and I'm the one who typically is more precious with them. But like, I don't care if they take it seriously. No, no, I'm, I'm not them. saying That's like have fun with the characters, like not have fun with the characters. But like if you're just throwing out details where you're just like, I don't know if he just mentioned offhandedly that Spider-Man like lays some uh, lays eggs in his web as a off joke, it would be like, oh, weird. OK, is it that kind of comic? Like, no, that seems out of place, right? Like there's a tone to these comics. There's a you know, you kind of set the boundaries of where your world ends, right? And, like, play around in that. And, you know, when you start, like, pushing outside of that in ways that you are not actually interested in exploring, or that you really don't want the full comic to go, they're just, like, little asides, I think that's, like, pretty sloppy writing. Um, and Miller did that, but at least those were interesting and ambitious. I think Warren Ellis does that, and it's dull. Like, I don't think he has any particularly interesting ideas for the character. Well, and I would say, too, like, what is the... What is the vision for this Fantastic Four right now? Yeah, what sure. is the vision for this Ultimate Fantastic Four unit? And I have no idea. Yeah, to give, no to idea. give Adam like, Cooper an say, excuse to write to draw some like pretty cool landscapes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you want to say like, what is the vision for Miller's X Men? It's pretty easy. It's like X Men is celebrities in the early two thousand. You know, like that's that is there. And it's to clear. give them all kinds of like weird, cool edges to them, right? Like, sure, to ground yeah. them in the real world, make them like kind of messy, and you know, like filled them full of like these nasty little details that he likes to put in you know i'm like he, he kind of likes yeah. to to mess with it warren ellis is like doing this and i yeah i have no idea what he what he wants from this series thankfully no, i think he's I, gone. i'm not going to be super like, into fantastic four until uh i think maybe the next round maybe two yeah. from now no no it's this one but uh he's, he's gone change. yeah, yeah. Mike, so, mike right, carey so... and jai lee are coming up next oh that's right the mike carrier all right we'll we'll talk about that when we talk about it um <laughs> next up 
is Ultimate X-Men. We had a big chunk here. So we go from 40 to 53. Now we actually do a creator switch in the middle of this. So we go from yeah. the five last five issues of Bendis on Ultimate X-Men into the Brian K. Vaughn era. Now Bendis... Yep. At this time, this is kind of hitting like late 2003. He's about to take over Avengers in Earth 616. He's already writing Daredevil over there. And obviously he's doing Ultimate Spider-Man. His plate is getting full and he's becoming a very big deal. Um, if he wasn't already, but definitely by the time he takes over and relaunches Avengers in 616, mm-hmm. like Bendis becomes a really big name in comics uh, because of, of all the properties he's kind of owning and the way he really starts to dictate what the 616 looks like. So these last five issues of him... I always um, forget I that guess, he's not big when he's writing Spider-Man. Like that, Well, that's something I mean, I don't... I don't know. I wasn't around at the time to say like whether or not he was a big deal, but definitely, I mean, by the time he gets to New Avengers... In 616, he's writing, he's written 70 plus issues of Spidey. He's been writing Daredevil for at least like 20 or 30 issues at that point. He's got a lot of weight, I think, under his belt. And then he becomes the guy mm-hmm. running Marvel, you know? Yeah. But definitely yeah. when he starts in the Ultimate Universe, like he's a, he's an up and comer. I mean, by all measures, right? He had written, and we talked about this in the first episode, but like he'd written some crime graphic novels, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. had, he hadn't even written Marvel stuff really up to that point. So, um, we get an arc here called New Mutants, and this just, this annoys me because we're not going to really see the New Mutants except, like, little winks and things I here. I don't even count that. No, it's <sighs> it's in, it's totally, it's literally New Mutants in the in the world, but Bendis doesn't actually care to do who know. we know to be the New Mutants. I mean, right? it's, it doesn't really matter, but, like, it just kind of annoys me because I'm just like, well, oh, why not? Like, it's a bit of a misdirect because yeah. why not just, I mean, you're right, it doesn't matter, but it's like... You could yeah. you could introduce the ultimate version of the new mutants. That yeah. would work. That'd be oh, it, fine. It drove me crazy when like they actually see Rain at, like a carnival sideshow later, and they just see her and like have a conversation about her, and then walk on. And it's just like cool. I guess that's all I'm seeing of Ultimate Rain. Like yeah, what I yeah. like to see. I mean, that's definitely how it feels. Um, this this these five issues definitely make me. So he's doing this with David Finch. David Finch continues to do put out pretty good, very good artwork. Pretty good art, yep. These are nice looking early two thousands comics. Art um, Tibbert too. Sorry, just like. All the Tibberts around, right? Or no, that's Kuberts. God, I'm so confused with Kuberts the, like, are flying around. Yeah, because it's the Adam Kubert, Art Tibbert, and isn't there another Kubert? Uh, his brother Andy. Okay, yeah, who's at the end of this X Men run? I their think. father Joe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, sorry. Their mother Eliza. <laughs> no, I don't know her name. Um, <laughs> <What was that>? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the final forty uh, issue forty five here. It made me plenty happy to be done with the Bendis era of Ultimate X Men. I think uh, he's fine. These comics are okay. I do not like Brian Michael Bendis as an X Men writer. Never have. Don't really know that I ever will. Um, there are exceptions to this that are interesting, but not great. And I think that is that is his peak as an X-Men writer, is, like, decent, not great. He yeah. doesn't play with big, interesting ideas at all in this, which is, again, like, the really the biggest thing I'm looking for with all Yeah, so he, he brings an angel. There's one issue bringing an angel, and it's fine. You know, like, it's a new oh, angel. Oh, Warren it's Worthing- fine. Warren oh, Worthington. It's fine. Yeah, he is very... I mean, everyone just remembers right? how, like, sexy he is. Um, yeah, it, you know, I actually kind of really like the conversation between him and um, Storm. They have this conversation when he leaves, and... Um, it's actually one of my favorite, in contrast to Brian Michael Bendis writing that, like, Spider-Man after Gwen Stacy trying to have an emotional conversation that falls totally flat. I think this one between Storm and Angel works for me. Um, she kind of talks about, like, how frustrating it is being a mutant in the ways of, like, you know, 
I'm more than a mutant, right? Like, people know I'm a mutant, but, like, and I'm proud of being a mutant, but I'm also a writer. And, you know, I write, and people don't know that about me, right? I think that is a good, insightful look at, like, when you are a visible minority, the way that people classify you as, yeah. you're black, right? That's your identity, and people feel like they, you know, get, like, stuck with this label, and, you know, they... they you know, ha- have a, a something well, that a, they make assumptions about what that means, or or oh, just you, that it becomes you must even, be into X Y Z, right? Or you're cool, or you're a good dancer, or you're you know like it's the office joke season one of Stanley must be good at basketball, right? right. It's a it's a huge like frankly coded in in racial you know obviously I mean, like miss a miss you know what's the word misassumption isn't a word but that's what i mean yeah yeah uh, even positive or negative it just becomes exhausting right to have like carry around this you know like to to not blend into the background right and and to not be seen for the other things that you feel like you are right so like yeah. I, I think that conversation actually works really well um 41 is a real weird one where uh Wolverine goes and murders a teenager. Yeah, 41 boy. super stands out, I, yeah. I will say. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that it's great, but it stands out a ton. Like, I remember this issue very distinctly when yeah. I got back to this. And I honestly, I, I actually wasn't sure if I would read these these comics before. And then I got to this one. I'm like, oh, yeah, I definitely read this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, all right, go ahead. You were saying. Yeah, well, so this, this boy wakes up. He clearly, like, his mutant powers are activating, which is that he lets out this, like, acid poison thing that burns up people around him. And, uh, and he walks out to school and he accidentally kills, like, 300 people, something like that. Like the, Again, the Ultimate Universe loves a mass casualty. There's nothing you know, like, like it, more. It lined up for me in, in a way of, like, it needed to be something serious like this. It was 265. And it kind of made sense. Like, he walked to school, he got to school, like, his neighborhood, whatever. Like, just, like, people within, you know, a couple hundred feet of him. Are affected by and, this, and obviously something like this happening as a teenager is beyond nightmare. It right, and he, he runs and like at any he, age, I suppose. Yeah, of course, he he runs and hides in a cave, and then the scene switches to like Wolverine shows up, has a conversation with him, where he's just like, "It is what it is. You got dealt a bad hand." Blah blah blah. Here, have a beer, and then he walks out of the cave later with it, like you know, implied that he killed the kid because right, there's no other way. It, I, I don't know. Like I like this issue i think this issue was effective it was over before i knew it like literally i turned the page and was like oh wow it's it's done huh like it's very very slight um, that's a good thing yeah no i i like this here yeah no I'm, I'm kind of impressed with the like the boldness of having such like a, a singular story i just don't know yeah. if it fits with the ultimate x-men like i don't know i don't know i don't know where it fits i think it does things. i mean it, this feels he, like an ultimate universe story to it me just, for sure i don't know if it has repercussions like someone mentions he did it for nick fury it's well, like, does it need every percussions? Why? I mean, it's a one shot. You know, it's a one one and done story. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I I, I guess just like I mean, this is probably something I got. I, I I think I tend to view the Ultimate Universe as maybe needing to be a little bit more coherent in a way that I wouldn't judge like six one six comics for like switching a creative team and then like well, what the do you tone what do you switches. mean by coherent here though? In the way that like um I, I mean I guess this has been Wolverine's character. It's just like him going off to kill a teenage boy does not seem like something we have seen this this seems like a big upping of uh dramatic stakes oh, for him I, I don't think i agree i think this yeah. feels very much like ultimate wolverine to me like he he does the dirty jobs and he always has he's even got he's even less probably sensitive and integrated into like the quote-unquote hero world than than earth 616 yeah wolverine. okay yeah no i, I like but this. i, I, I mean i do think it's complicated and troubling like it's not the comic does not read like Oh yeah, you gotta kill the teen. <laughs> like yeah. it's not like it's an easy 
thing to stomach. Um, yeah. But I, I do feel and, like... And I appreciate the character. boldness of, like, they didn't even really talk about it, right? Like, it never even got stated explicitly. No. That's what he was there for, right? Like, it was all just subtext, and I think that's kind of a bold move to, you know, have the confidence to just tell this story very subtly, so... Appreciate that. The next three issues are like a whole presidential uh, plot to like, it's a deep state, you know, it's literally like people in the president's cabinet don't trust that the president isn't manipulated, blah, blah, blah. They think Professor X is manipulating. Yeah. They think he has gotten in his head and that's why he's putting out the, you know, uh, pro mutant agendas. Right. So that is, that's all going on. Um, by the end of this, it, I, at one point I thought they actually killed the president. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was like, wait, the ultimate universe does that. I do not remember that. Uh, it's all kind of a ruse. Um, and, and like you said, yeah, it's all backdoor deep state political. They introduce stuff. a couple new mutants here. Dazzler comes in who actually really like, I really like the, uh, she's the super ultimate punk. version of she's super Dazzler. early 2000s. Punk, she's very yeah. punk except for like, I, he kind of nails the, like the punk show thing and then i i do like the um I, I just like that twist on her she's not trying to be a pop star she's just this like very punky girl with a you know spiky hair and a bunch of piercings except that yeah. she also just has like maori I... tribal tattoos right which is like yeah she... you know how like all punk bands just get like maori culture tattoos yeah you, you know who i think she's based on who, who do you think she's based on oh i have no idea i'm who going to avril lavigne we're in 2003 i think we're in avril country no because like when we first meet her she's like swearing about like you know my suck my like yeah that's, that's classic avril territory yeah that, that is a good doors. point yeah she definitely did sing about <laughs> her um wait uh, which album was that i need to get that one uh yeah so dazzler's around uh really though it's just a big sentinels versus the x-men story um i like it's, this it's i mean fine. again david finch's art is great like i love how the sentinels look i don't know it, I'm a, it, it's all fine this this actually feels kind of like ultimate spider-man where i'm just like yeah i'm reading this it's gonna leave my brain uh in about 12 hours this will be gone from my brain but i mean I the fact it. that emma frost shows up and that's still true is pretty disappointing yeah. i would say yeah, uh, and karma cool character karma shows up yeah. <laughs> you know i actually really like what they do with karma we were talking about new mutants getting done dirty. Uh, Karma is a special agent, and she's yeah. working for Shield. And the way they use her powers is actually very cool. I do like this this idea of because she's kind of she's kind of playing the mystique role, where it's like mm-hmm. she's taking on you know people in government who are then going to you know use that position and use that power to get other people to in this instance to like you know out themselves of the crimes they've committed. Um, and then she's you know super secret special agent Karma. I'm into that because Karma a lot of times in six one six they don't know what to do with her as we've been seeing so i uh yeah. i will give credit there that's a good use of yeah a, of yeah, a yeah. Mutant. Sure. uh and then this ends with like sentinels attacking and they kill beast and it feels pretty uh impactless I about that yeah exactly um, i mean the, the repercussions feel more true like this this lingers around the team yeah for, like the next 10 issues and like it was kind the- of time too though it was actually like i actually do think in terms of the timing and in terms of the character if you are going to do a death, yeah. uh, Beast made a lot of sense because he's been moping about Storm for most of this run. Mm-hmm. Um, he's oh, been he, he, very like depressed. He's not the, where... in any way the bouncing beast that we know. I mean, just as a character, like he's he got catfished by Blob. You know, like he has. Well, had that's a good the run. thing is like he did that. He like uh, he's the one who freed Magneto because he got catfished by Blob. And then later, when Angel shows up, all these protesters show up to the mansion, and people are like, "How did they know?" angel was here and beast is like uh i I did an ama on reddit like 
<laughs> yeah. And everyone, like, freaks out on him. It's like, how did you... You already got in trouble for this once. Like, yeah, that, that whole that whole thing's kind of ridiculous. Um, I just want to point out, I'm on the um, Ultimate X-Men Volume 1, number 45 Marvel fandom site. And uh, it has, like, the list of supporting characters. New Mutants, Beast, Hank McCoy, parentheses, Corpse. <laughs> 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 that is not his name, but I guess that is technically true. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts on the Bendis no. Ultimate X-Men era? No, I mean, no, it's, I, pretty, it, uh, it's pretty forgettable. Yeah, it's forgettable, but I liked it. Like, it didn't rub me the wrong way like the Brian K. Vaughn stuff does. Um, so let's let's get, get into BKV, because that's way more interesting to me. Um, Can, so Brian K. Vaughn is one of the He's in the absolute... middle of Why the Last Man right now, and he's about to start Ex Machina, which is both comics I don't love but like i like those comics like i read all of x <laughs> those are those are widely beloved comics yeah um, i know but like i i i, I, I think no, one, they, no one's interested in your opinions about those are those are very really solid comics, comics zach I, jesus christ i'm saying they're good comics calm down <laughs> God, no someone i will not allow this very defensive to begin. I, I literally didn't say anything negative about them you said um, i'm not into them and I can't no, accept it. No, I read all of Ex Machina. I, I quite like Ex Machina. I probably would not like it as a politically, uh, co- like, coherently minded oh, adult. I, I doubt it. But anymore, but, like, yeah, I liked I it when I read it the first that. time. It's a, No, but he's he's coming into being a, a very big deal. But, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing that up to contrast. He's writing two good series right now. Well, and he's writing this. Runaways for Marvel. Um, right. Okay. So I just wanted to point that. The, the point of that was to contrast that, like, while he's writing this X-Men series, he's also writing those two very competently written series because i think this is a big lot of nothing here i think oh, he's like. probably i mean he's a top five if you just if you just did a survey you know family feud style best writers in comics kind of thing yeah well he's i mean gonna be a top five saga right for, like so i mean I, I i unequivocally will defend saga i think saga's you know incredible I, yeah it's i mean that, it's the biggest comic in the world yeah, really yeah that, um that comic's excellent. but anyway that's neither here nor there because for ultimate x-men it it's weird that it's him. It's weird that it's like one of the biggest comics writers and he comes in and it reads like some of his work, you know, in terms of the dialogue, in terms of the pop culture references. Uh, but the decisions he makes as far as story, at least in this early chunk, are awful. <laughs> like, they're really and I think the dialogue bad. in the story is actually awful too. Like, not just the, like, the big character choices. I think, like, the moment-to-moment stuff, like, sucks... And Do you is, think his dialogue's bad? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I think it's really bad. It's it's so there's there's you a nerd better, writer. You better video. come with some examples on that because there's I, a nerd writer video on YouTube is talking crazy. about the epidemic of passable movies that I really like, and uh, and he talks about like movies that are fine, watchable, but not like aggressively bad or good. Right? They just have nothing to recommend them particularly like all the middling X-Men movies are probably good examples. You know, um, and he talks a lot about how like screenwriting gets stuck in this rut of screenwriters read they start writing scripts like other movies they've seen and you get these weird cyclical things where you see movies where it's like this is familiar to me and i feel like i've seen this dialogue before so it seems you know it's familiar but this is no way that people speak right and you almost get tricked into thinking this is like a normal interaction between two humans because it's become so regurgitated and recycled through so many cycles of movies and tv right um I think that's totally what happens with it. He, this. This just feels like comic book writing as like through an algorithm of someone who's been fed 40 years of comics. And it, it just feels like, I, I don't know, like th- there's nothing here. It has like no individual personality for me. Um, it just feels like a tonal mess. Like the way he deals with the characters, I think is awful. Like they all kind of read as psychopaths. Uh, and then they're too bouncy sometimes. <laughs> like, um, 
Kitty Pride like tries to kill Dazzler, like puts her fist through her skull and like threatens to pull her brain out at one point. And it's like, I get what you're doing. I, you know, like she's mad at Dazzler for making some insult about her boyfriend or something, but like it, it, and, and then Scott's just, Scott literally turns to them and says, knock it off. Professor X is trying to concentrate in the next room. And it, you know, it's just treated like, yeah, it's just a comic book moment, right? Like I, I think he just has this lack of any kind of uh, coherent tone to these comics. So I just, again, I like kind of check out because it's like the characters are just acting with such wild swinging um, personalities that they don't feel real to me whatsoever. There's a lot of like young teenage romance that turns to murderous violence on, yeah. a, on a dime. Which I do think is totally fair um, to say, like that's a weird interpretation of how these characters should behave. I mean, the I I have way they, less. They of an continually issue with him behave in ways because I think he has yeah, fun, sorry. snappy dialogue a lot of times, and I think he yeah. can write individuals Ugh. hanging yeah. out, you know. And he, he's I don't know that he's sinking into. I don't know. They are like they are like extremely volatile teenagers with extreme powers. So I mean, I Millar did that. He's going for Millar did the same thing, and I didn't think it had this like. Cla- I mean, it's also this thing where um, you have that thing in sitcoms where people tell jokes to each other, but they don't react to their own jokes, right? Like, it, and that's why it's something like Bob's Burgers is so refreshing because people goof around with each other and then they like they laugh at each other's absurdity and goofs, right? So it, like that that kind of stuff just feels so unusual and refreshing. Um, this is just like people act so wild and beyond the pale of acceptable behavior, but then there's like no repercussions and other people around them don't act like it, you know? So it like, like Iceman is just so totally out of control here. He's so angry and out of control and acting, uh, like against orders over and over again. And it's just brushed off because it's where the comic needs to go. You know, it's like, it just kind of feels like that it's on rails. And so it doesn't matter what the characters do because the story is getting to where it's going. It doesn't matter what the characters do on the way. We just need to get to the next plot point. I mean, good example. Remy shows up. What's his name? Uh, I don't actually know his full name. Gambit. <laughs> Remy. Yeah. Um, Gambit shows up, kidnaps Rogue in this like incredibly violent scene where he, he like immediately uh, antagonizes them. He knocks over a Ferris wheel full of people that goes like rolling. People are screaming. He blows off half of Wolverine's face. Like literally sticks a like the staff in his mouth and blows it up and like his skull is exposed now kidnaps rogue and then later it's just like um well one he tries to smooch rogue and then they like have a connection after all this he kidnaps them for the fenris twins which is like who cares about those people but then it's just like oh rogue we kidnapped you because we needed you for nazis corporate espionage 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 uh we just uh we did it because uh you know well uh we we needed you to disappear from your past or something like it's this totally arbitrary, like, oh, we just needed an action scene, you know? Like, it, it just feels like the the worst, most arbitrary screenwriting kind of, like, B-movie logic, where nothing actually needs to make sense A to B to C. They just need to get to the next plot point, and we'll fill it with an action scene, because that's what's demanded at this moment. Mm. The thing that bothered me the most is definitely, uh, well, I guess the focus on Gambit for the second story arc is it, not a character I'm super into. He oh, shows can- up with flowing curly locks, which is hilarious. <laughs> the, um, the one thing that is great. he's also just, like... To put a whole big chunk of effort into, like, ooh, it's Gambit, and he has to kidnap Rogue. Um, I understand there's a, a definite piece of X-Men fandom where that has some weight. Oh, do they uh, know each other in the main comic? Yeah. Uh, but it's <laughs> it's just not well done here. And then the story right before that is Vaughn does an ultimate version of Mr. Sinister. So this, this is the one thing that's great because, I mean, I know Chris Claremont technically created 
Mr. Sinister. But mm-hmm. I think we all agree that Brian K. Vaughn actually created Mr. Sinister because this is the Mr. Sinister you know. This is the Mr. Sinister we all know, the canon version of Mr. Sinister. We love this guy. When you guy. think Mr. Sinister, you're thinking of a, a tight beanie, a ripped man with the word Sinister tattooed across his arm. Yes. And uh, he's definitely wearing a, uh, a, a skimpy, skimpy tank. Genuinely, uh, Dave? No joke. That is what I thought of Mr. Sinister because this is the only Sinister I yeah, read. Sure. Up until last year when I started reading some Hickman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, again, like, so I want to... So this is always going to be my Sinister, you know? I want to credit the choice. I want to yeah. credit the the fact <clears throat> that it's something that he tried. Uh, but I th- this is what I remember hating the most. I think this is actually the point in time when I stopped reading Ultimate X-Men. Is because, it, which is weird, because at the time I didn't know anything about Brian K. Vaughn. Um, yeah. So I didn't think anything of the fact that, like, oh, there's a huge writer on this. Yeah. Maybe this will get better. I was like, this version of Mr. Sinister completely sucks and he does and it's not it's not just that they changed his look it's not just that they changed his design you know and ultimatized it or his power set or whatever it's that he's this like feeble serial killer um basically they make him all of the marauders from the mutant massacre like yeah. that's kind of the story they're no, doing it which i didn't recognize like... when i read it initially but now yeah. i see oh they're just doing better version of mutant massacre mutant but massacre. just with mr yeah. sinister yeah. and i it just sucks and all of it kind of like you were saying is really just a way to get to a cool apocalypse drop. All of it is really just mm-hmm. to say, hey, apocalypse is in the background, and it totally wastes Mr. Sinister as a concept in the process. You know what? Like, I, I I have to disagree a little bit. I, I think if you didn't care about Mr. Sinister, that this would be totally passable. You know? Like, I, I think... Well, I think it would still be a pretty weak story. I mean, I, I like this one a lot better than the, like, the Gambit Fenris twin thing. I think this is... I guess, but that's a low bar. Yeah, I, I've actually thought this was fine. Like, I, it still has all those problems I have with the dialogue, but, like, I don't mind the story as much. I, I genuinely, like, I haven't read that much Mr. Sinister, and this one does pale in comparison, for sure, for what I have read. But, like, I don't know. I don't I don't really care about these changes. I thought this was interesting enough. You know, some mutant serial killer. It was fine. Um, Who, who like, is delusional in believing uh, Apocalypse is in the room until he does show up in the room or something. It's fine. Yeah, I, don't I mean, the worst part about it, though, is not it's not that, like, oh, a mutant serial killer is a disinteresting idea in this story. It's that, yeah. it's the same thing with Doctor Doom, where it's like, if you want to do this story with this character name that yeah. has so much weight, unless, sure. here's the thing, unless the Ultimate Universe was going to go on to create better villains, you know, then yeah. if they were going to do that, and that was a piece of this that where we're like, we don't really care what happens to these big properties because we're going to do our own thing, then I'm on board. Now I'm interested. But they don't do that. They're not interested in doing that. They're still going to bring up and drop all the names. And the Ultimate Universe is still very much a thing of like, okay, what name's coming next? You know, what reveal is going to come next? When are we going to see the Ultimate Universe of Dazzler? When are we going to see the Ultimate Universe version of Angel, right? When are we going to see Apocalypse? All these things. That's still a piece of this universe. So to throw the name out there and just like the concept of it just being so unilaterally wasted, that's the disappointment. Hmm. Is, yeah, is I, I guess I don't didn't pay off at all. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I guess I don't see it like white is wasted, but I also don't have that much of an attachment to uh, to Mister Sinister, so maybe that's just the difference. Yeah, but you know he's a name that is a a top tier X Men villain. Yeah, so to I do know give he's... him three issues of weird, uh, bad interpretation, in my opinion, that's a huge waste. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one... not quite the equivalent of this, but like if Magneto was here for the first five issues and then we were done. That would be a waste, right? Mm-hmm. It's the it's yeah. the same feel for fans of that. Sure. Year. Okay. Yeah, I, I think maybe that is just part of me not having read as much of him. Can I say Brian K. Vaughn has one joke here that probably made me laugh harder than like anything in the Ultimate Universe? He got me really good with one joke here. 
And it's a visual joke, which I, like, appreciate because comic books, Marvel comic does not do visual jokes. It just drives me up the wall that we're in a visual medium and they rely 100% on their, like, stupid sitcom writing to make me laugh. Uh, it has been hinted at strongly for a while now that um, Colossus is gay here, and I think, like, it will be a little bit before that's made, like, explicit, right? He comes out properly. Um, but they're... <laughs> They uh they rescue um oh my alpha flight guy right um what's his name Jean Boubier um I definitely said that wrong a billion times last time I talked about him on a on an episode of Cracking Krakoa so I'll take your word for it but yes it's North Star North Star thank you I couldn't remember that yeah Jean Paul Boubier um what how did you say it Bobier I I have no idea but it was dead wrong <laughs> Bobier um. Anyway, he gets in the hospital, and uh, and he, they like they Jean Grey and Colossus are there. Jean Grey's probing into his mind, and uh, and he's already talked about how he's you know a mutant and gay, and he's like frustrated by both. Um, or no, he's actually very proud of being gay. But <laughs> sorry, this is a big setup. He wakes up in the hospital bed, and he like says something to Jean Grey, and then he turns to Colossus, and he's just like, "Oh, is he single?" And then Colossus immediately gets this look of surprise on his face, and the next panel turns metal. <laughs> And that is such a good joke of just, like, showing his surprise of, you know, like, uh, a cat, like, jumping back and his hair standing on end. But, like, or Peter Parker, like, the Wolverine claws pop out when he's surprised. But a visual gag yeah. of him uh, him just being shocked by this and just immediately going metal alloy was, I think, I think very cute and very funny. All that right. the highest thing I have to recommend this entire... Yeah, it's sadly disappointing. Um, I, I am actually very curious, though, to continue reading this, because like I said, I, I really do think I stopped reading after the Sinister stuff the first time. I just said, like, you know, I, with the exception of obviously just figuring out where to stuff fit in the Ultimate Universe. But all right, so yeah. that's Ultimate X-Men. Uh, next time, we're going to talk Ultimate Universe Part 11. If you want to find the comics we're going to read, you can find them in the show notes. And uh, if you want to get the access to the full list, again, you can go over to patreon.com slash year for more. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Comic Book Herald. And uh, Zach, anything you want to plug? Nope, nope, just... Uh... Oh, hey, Robert Kirkman's joining Ultimate X-Men. Yeah, that's who's going to replace him eventually. That is true. Some big that's names. Cool. Big names yeah. on the franchise. And interestingly, yeah. like, big names that never do their best work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, find me over on Twitter. My brother is here. Alrighty. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, music for the show is by, by Divine Right. And we don't have an ending? Bye. Have an ultimate year, chapios. That's it. I think that's the one, because I've said that before. I've said those exact words before. It's definitely have an ultimate year, Chappios. That sounds... But you have to say it. Untrue. I've already stopped my recording when I said bye. I got issues. I got issues.